Welcome back to Happy Porch Radio, the digital agency podcast for progressive agency owners and web professionals. Season four is an exploration of diversity in our industry, especially gender diversity. This season, your host, Barry O'Kane, is joined by some wonderful co-hosts for conversations with agency leaders and diversity and inclusion experts. Welcome back to Happy Porch Radio Season 4. In this episode, I talked to Peter Aitken, who was organiser of the amazing Scotland JS conference and is now doing something even more amazing in his spare time. It is called Global Diversity CFP Day, and it's really cool. It's all about supporting and encouraging anyone who is new to speaking at conferences. Peter tells us all about it in our conversation. Due to a scheduling mix-up on my part, I am not joined by a co-host this episode. Luckily, what Peter shares mostly makes up for my error. Before we hear from Peter, though, there is one thing we didn't discuss that I want to encourage you to check out. On scotlandjs.com, there are four articles under the heading Access Articles. These four stories demonstrate how amazing it can be when a conference focuses on being really inclusive and really caring. They cover childcare at the conference, Connie the inspiring 10-year-old coder, and how conferences and community can change lives. So please do take a look. Okay, so now that you know you must go and read those, let's meet Peter. Hi, my name is Peter Aitken. I currently work at a company called Litmus, where I'm a tech lead, Scrum Master, uh, Rails developer, JavaScript developer. In terms of community work, I'm a recovering conference organizer, <laughs> and I'm also in the process of putting together something called Global Diversity CFP Day 2019. Excellent. And we're going to dig into all of that in more detail now. Just for the listener, I was introduced to Peter via a mutual friend and a really interesting topic to me about events and of organizing tech events specifically and, and diversity and inclusion. And so that's where this conversation, I hope, fits into the broader arc of this season. So Peter, tell me a little bit about, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about what led to Scotland JS, which is the conference that you ran for uh, many years in, in Scotland, is that right? It was about seven year, seven editions we ran. It took 2017 off, so from 2012 through 2018. Initially, it started as a, a company event. One of my colleagues had an idea of uh, putting on a JavaScript event. Our director ran the Scottish RubyConf, and Mark had this idea of running the JavaScript conference. And I was like employee number two. There was a couple other folks come in. So there was maybe about four, four developers. And Paul, the director, sort of said, Mark, you had this idea. You built a website, you know, a sort of like launch rock type page. That, that seems, seems like that would be a really good thing to do that we should put on. And Mark thought, yeah, 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 that's, that's great. And we all just kind of assumed this was Mark's idea. He would run with it and left them to it. And a couple of months later, the same question got asked and nothing had really happened. So I had a bit of a chat. And he felt it was a very important sort of thing to happen for the community, but he just didn't want to do it himself. I started picking uh, tasks off the Trello board when there was uh, no client work for myself. And it just kind of snowballed and snowballed. And then in about 2015, I took over the event sort of personally rather than being a company event. And here we are today. <laughs> Brilliant. Sort of accidentally stumbling into organizing yeah, it. Yeah, accidental conference organizer. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you're really interested in diversity and inclusion. Is that something that was completely independent from your from this sort of leading into Scotland JS, or is it something that 
was connected or grew out of it? I think there's a lot that I've learned from my partner, Karen. At the same time, I think sort of in a wider perspective, our introduction to diversity issues through the conferences is more where my learning has happened. Our son has dyslexia and dyspraxia, so we're still learning and becoming more aware about more neurotypical and non-neurotypical issues around that. But yeah, I think it was. I would. I think it would be fair to say um, when we started the conferences, it was very much the usual case of let's get some speakers, let's get a venue, yay, party, go, woo! <laughs> Isn't this great? And then I think it was in the second year, somebody, one of our speakers, sort of put their hand up and said, "I would really like this my slot to be be given to a woman." And the way that at that point we started running the CFP and have done ever since is that. We anonymise all the applications, and in terms of voting process, we open that up to the ticket holders. So the audience decide who they want to see, or, or the talks that they want to see, um, and the subject matter. So they're effectively choosing. And so the discussion that I had with the speaker at the time was that you know it, it just seems a very honourable thing to be doing, but if you want to drop out, and that's that's totally up to yourself. However. We will need to approach the next speaker on the list who the, the audience have effectively decided for, you know, was, was the way that uh, I had approached things. And then I think, let's see, timeline-wise, that would have been 2013. I don't think too much had happened. I think if we fast-forward to 2015, we started to... I think that was the year that um, um, I, I took over, sort of personally, um, or responsibility wise i think the, the only way to describe it is was the industry around events the focus had moved towards diversity and it was an issue um, that had, be, had been raised since starting to, to be perfectly honest and um, we, we were i was paying lip service to this idea and didn't have too much understanding and appreciation and we were offering speakers from underrepresented and marginalized groups Someone in the region of two hundred pounds, if they were, you know, successful in the application process, and were speakers, and uh, this would be to contribute to their travel and accommodation. Just, just something. So, when you say lip service, do you mean that that process of offering that little bit of funding? When you say lip service, what do you mean? Pretty much, it was like a token gesture to say, "Look, we are doing something to be more diverse." The people on the internet who are going to shout at us, please leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joking, joking aside, you know, but yeah, that's, that's you know, we're, we're doing something. But looking back, that's how I would characterize it. But I can't quite remember if that was the intent at the time. On that very same year, we, we had two keynote speakers. Philip Roberts had been speaking at just about all of the, the, the conference, the JavaScript conferences so far. And um, I invited him to give a keynote. And the other keynote speaker was Lena Reinhardt from Berlin. And this pretty much, Lena's talk opened my eyes to what diversity, what privilege meant. And that, you know, everyone's experience is not always equal. Really, this is something that I should be putting a lot more effort into to, to make people feel wanted and welcome and safe as much as that is practically possible at these events and to basically encourage people from underrepresented and marginalized groups 
to to come and participate and give them somewhere that wasn't excluding, you know, the, the cis, white, hetero, able-bodied males, but the underrepresented and marginalized people were welcome and wanted and valued. That that was a huge, huge sort of eye-opening moment for me in 2015. And that had a a very big impact on how I started to approach things going forward. So tell me a little bit about what, uh, how that actually, when you say started to approach things, so that's, a, that's obviously a significant mind shift. Although I find it interesting that you're acknowledging maybe, or, or, or sort of saying that looking back, that some of the things before that were lip service, because I think that so often, myself included, you feel that you're doing something that's good and then, oh, that's good enough, I've done it. Whereas rather than thinking about it as a core part of everything you're doing. So I'm interested. So you've got to, you're thinking, okay, I'm organizing the next one. What does that actually mean in terms of what you do for planning and what happens next? A big thing about attracting, how do we want to see it? Because I really don't like the word diverse. I prefer, I want us to be yeah. included, you know? We <laughs> want people hard. to come and feel included in terms of attendees. So how can we demonstrate to people that have been and that haven't attended before that this will be an inclusive event and not just one that likes to talk about it? Putting blog posts together and saying, aren't we wonderful, is something that I've, I've always been scared of saying the wrong thing. And I have always shied away from the amount of words and text that you'll find on any of the conference websites beyond people's names and their, what they're talking about is is very, very small aside from the code of conduct. Let's see. To encourage people, if, if they can see someone that's on the stage that is gonna that looks like them, that's going to make them think, oh, well, if they can do it, then I can do it. And this is obviously a place that I can go to. And at the same time, then you've got you take a step further back from that in your sort of planning timeline. So we need to attract a diverse group of people to apply to your call for proposals process. You know, there there is a world of experts in, in our field. And any time that I'm speaking to uh, other event organizers, they say things like, well, how, how do we attract, a, you know, um, a group of, a diverse group of people to apply to our CFP? And I'm like, well, do you have invited speakers up front? You know, usually the response is along the lines of, yes, we have a, a sort of a sort of headline or a keynote name and a diverse name. And yeah, I'm just like, what in the name? You know, it's like, why are these two things different? You know, there, there are people that are leading the field that come from all backgrounds, whatever your field is. You know, you can find people that are absolutely amazing and just ha- also happen to come from an underrepresented or marginalized background as well. And what I've done is pretty much for Scotland, yes, we started inviting five speakers in the, the, the last two editions. And that is our statement of intent. If we have two keynote speakers and three session speakers that are invited up front that are known, some are known globally, some are known better in the UK, you know, being, being based in Scotland, for their technical competence, but also seeing that they are from underrepresented or marginalized backgrounds. That's not gonna put any cis, white, able-bodied, hetero male off applying to speak, but it encourages people from underrepresented and marginalized backgrounds to apply to your CFP. So 
this is where it, oh I, I forgot to gather all my stats together for you um, but you know throughout the years you know in terms of uh, a diverse group of applicants to our CFP you know that as the conference gained popularity yes more people applied actually we, we never did any sort of strict diversity stats but in terms of uh, a sort of ignorant glance at sort of gender and pre- prior years you know the, the number of women applicants was incredibly low which it was usually above what my understanding is the sort of proportion of women in tech to men in tech if we again use a sort of ignorant binary sort of gender over the piece after 2015 due to the nature of how the cfp is is voted for as in it's by the audience by the, the ticket holders at that point Let's look at it the other way. If you invite all of your speakers, you can pick and choose who each of those people are. And your goal is presumably to provide technical excellence and a diverse lineup and make sure everybody has a great time. But if you have, let's see, 17 slots that are being voted for anonymized from your ticket holders and the number of applicants from an underrepresented and marginalized groups is, is somewhat minimal, Maybe I think at the in twenty fifteen it was say maybe about six percent. How can we go about? I'm trying to think of a better way of saying it other than gaming the system. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's like, you know the odds of yeah. anyone coming through from that background and and being selected out of seventeen of two hundred applicants. You know, is is incredibly low. You know, yeah, six percent. You know, and so when it came round to the CFP for for twenty sixteen. And the, the, the idea was very, very late on. There's, there's no two ways about it. You know, it's the, the CFP closed in four weeks. How can we make this happen or, or attempt to make this happen? And I woke up in the morning with this idea of, um, well, what if we had a sort of a time and a place? Actually, I should backtrack a little bit. In the years prior up to this point, I'd hosted a sort of Google Hangout, come meet the organizer and some previous speakers. If you're considering applying to speak and you know you can ask us some questions you know sometimes you know there was some random folks that jumped in from following the link on twitter that had absolutely nothing to do with the event knew nothing about it and were more uh, young gentlemen there for a laugh and a joke and quite literally trolling you know and and you know the, the power of the internet you know just doing its thing <laughs> which was uh, interesting but in 2015 uh, Katie Fenn had applied and had attended the hangout. I had no idea as to how valuable or not this was. And because, you know, these people are, apply, are looking to apply. Do they apply? Have they applied? And were they successful in, you know, taking to the stage and giving their talk? And after the event, Katie said this was the thing that really pushed her or nudged her to actually put together her proposal. So, you know, like prior to that, events would announce their CFP on the Twitters and she would see it open and I really need to do that, I really need to do that, I really need to apply and never quite got around to it and then it's like, oh, CFP closes tomorrow, really need to do that. Oh, it's closed. I've gone through that experience many times myself. So that this sort of sparked an idea in myself about a month before our 2016 CFP. Was it 2016? Yeah, 2016 CFP closed. And uh, it's like, well, can we put together, you know, like we all know communicating online and the technologies that we have are amazing, you know, like for video calls and 
text chat is, is, is brilliant, but nothing beats in person. And I always like to think that I've been very sort of welcoming and, you know, as an organizer, I always on the day of the event, as long as things are calm enough, get myself out of the front door and like shake folks' hands and give them a big welcome as they're coming in the door. And so, so everybody knows if they have a problem, they already know who I am just to come straight to and sort of like just try and remove any sort of barriers that there are there. And uh, there, there was numerous other things that we've done uh, to just try and break down barriers like, between the audience and the speakers and lots of stuff like that. So after um, having that bit of feedback from Katie, I wanted to have our host in-person event to encourage people from underrepresented and marginalised groups to attend and to work with them on putting together their talk proposal. And I kind of figured, well, can, this needs to get done and really soon so that we can uh, because our CFP closes in four weeks and we'll pitch our date it being three weeks from now one of our main sponsors was uh, has an office in Glasgow in Edinburgh and I thought well they would be good people to speak to and see if we can borrow their, their, their office on a Saturday both offices on a Saturday afternoon and uh, tackle both cities in a one how can we sort of make sure that our educational material is sort of consistent across both of these and at the same time, I got speaking to my boss in Dublin, and he's like, that's a great idea. It's all right if we run one here. And I'm like, <laughs> really? Okay, that's brilliant. And um, I thought, that, there's quite a lot of folk in London. And, you know, we'll get a lot of applications from down south. It'd be really good if we could host one down there. So I started chatting to some folks at Code Bar, and we got a venue at Future Learn. And all of a sudden, we, we had folk willing to do a workshop that had no sort of schedule or anything. It's just, we are on board uh, with this. And Katie jumped on board with one in Sheffield. And let's see, it was Robin who was coming to speak and runs the JavaScript meetup in Berlin, who I already knew quite well. I said, you know, would you be interested in doing this in Berlin? And he's like, absolutely. And you know, so everybody sort of got their mentors and you know, basically people who would be working with the attendees. Um, but we still needed this. So, so we effectively had across four countries, six different workshops, all geared towards bringing underrepresented and marginalised people together to apply to speak at Scotland GS or Scotland CSS. It's just like, how did this it just just snowballed and I thought this is this everybody keeps saying yes this is this is amazing I'm asking people to give up their free time a Saturday and put on a workshop and they have no idea what's you know going to be involved and we're we'll work on that next week sort of thing you know and everybody's like yeah fine I'm like how how is this happening and so in the background I got speaking to Raquel Velez who's very well known in the JavaScript community, and Sarah May, who's very well known in the Ruby community, and both both of whom have vast speaking experience and also have been involved in applying to speak at places um, and also reviewing and organizing conferences as well. So I got in touch with them and said, is there any chance we could, the two of you could have a chat, record it, and just chat about and give advice to people who would be applying to speak? Both were very happy to and jumped on board. And uh, so we had the idea being this is a video and we can show it to attendees in every workshop. So we have 
a very large start in terms of consistent set of educational material, which was a huge, huge start. By putting this on, every time a city came online, you know, we, we were talking about it in terms of from the conference Twitters, and we're wanting to promote this workshop that's happening, that workshop that's happening, and they, they were all on the same day, but it was, it was coming up very quickly in three weeks' time. And so I, I think there was about 20 people at the one in Berlin, similar in London, and sort of, I, I think maybe it would, it would come down to sometimes five, ten people and the others. And how many people did we have um, apply that year? The, the numbers usually increased by about 40 applicants each year. And as a result, we had three people from those workshops made it through the final lineup that were selected by the ticket holders, which I thought, this is amazing. And at the same time, looking at the diversity of the applicants that applied, again, we weren't asking for anything specific. It was just ignorance sort of first name, ignorant binary sort of guess as to somebody's gender. Uh, but th things jumped from something like 6% up to about 17% uh, of what looked like uh, a woman's name. And uh, the following year, um, just to take the this to what what felt like a silly idea, and did that really happen? Did everybody really jump on board? Everybody kept saying yes. Can we take this like a step further? And so, having had twenty seventeen off, my intention after the conferences in twenty sixteen was what we were doing in these workshops is we're demonstrating that we care. We are we're not exclu excluding anyone, you know, but we we are making it clear that who, who it is that we're trying to support. And there was nothing in the, the workshop that was specifically focused on JavaScript or CSS, other than, you know, it's like Scotland, yes, we are putting this together. Um, come along and apply to our CFP. Now, this, this could apply to any and every tech community that's going. And there's, there's no reason it needs to be restricted to my two events. Scotland GS and Scotland CSS. Why don't we just open this up to every tech community and then you see everywhere? It's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's you know, my thinking was, well, if we can get the website together, yeah, it's one of these things, you know, you buy the domain name and then you know, oh, it's serious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all of it has just always felt like sort of a silly idea that and I, I'm not meaning to take away from it. That is just that I don't believe that it's it's happening and taking off And in that regard. And so pretty much I, I got in touch with a number of people through run, running the conference. You know, there were people coming from various places all over the world and said, would you be happy to run a workshop like, like what we did last year? But not really for us, just for tech in general and get as much cross-community support happening from, I don't know, the Python community, the WordPress community, the Ruby community, whomever, whatever, to basically make this to, rather than, you know, conferences saying, oh, we reached out to and, and asked people from underrepresented marginalized groups to apply to our CFP. And we've also invited these people, you know, in each community, you, you see there's like a group of people that are getting invited everywhere all the time. And, you know, with, with the greatest respect, you know, we, we don't want to be burning people out. And in the grand scheme of things, they're underrepresented and marginalized people, maybe uh, uh, the smaller proportion of what makes up tech, 
but you know worldwide you know this this is like a huge army and it's like let's let's waken them up and let's let's give them somewhere then again just as we did before demonstrate that this is this really is the key thing for me is that we are demonstrating that people are wanted they are welcome their voice and perspective is valued and we want to support them in going to apply and share their perspective in whatever technology or is it more sort of uh, interpersonal skills or whatever it is that they want to talk about we want to be supporting them and pushing them forward in the tech community and giving ideally every event a wider more diverse pool of of speakers so having put that together and got a sort of first base of uh, maybe about a dozen workshops lined up we sort of then launched the website and let's see you know there was other people that we knew that was sort of signed up a little bit later on and then but there was there was more than half of the the, the locations you know there were cities all over the world literally we, we had 53 cities signed up and more than half of them i had i have no idea who these people are you know you, you always hear about the internet doing you know there's horrible things happening here and this algorithm has done shown this picture or misconstrued this and it's all you know horrible sort of offensive stuff this was to me is that this for me personally obviously is is a standout example of the internet doing something amazing you know it's that like people were just jumping on board with peter's silly idea you know it's it like the, i think the event in new york had about 100 people at it and that so if we sort of take 52 and sort of if there was 15 people at each of the others that would give us over a thousand attendees you know it's and there are people that have been at that and i'm still finding out a bit more that um have went on to speak at events and conferences. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, that sort of wow, this is big and awesome. So, so that ran that ran in February 2018, February yes. last year, yes. and it had a huge, huge impact on the people that applied to Scotland GS and Scotland CSS. The the sway what went from well, actually, the number of people overall that applied it jumped from like sort of the early 200s in terms of the total number of applications we got for the JavaScript conference to 400 it doubled and in terms of the the percentage we went from what i think was in 2016 about 17 percent 35 people that i was guessing was were from an underrepresented group to i think it was 30 was it 33 and a third or 35 percent of the 400 applicants so that this was a huge huge jump that you know that a third of our applicants were are coming from you know a diverse background and the way that we were able to identify that and the interesting thing being is that the numbers actually lower we were still offering the travel and accommodation support from specifically for people from underrepresented marginalized groups but you know we've we you know obviously increased that so that it's not just lip service you know it's ideally it will support people getting from anywhere in in europe and if people are coming from further afield, you know, we would we would look at that at the time. But part of the, the your your CFP proposal was to let us know if you were from an underrepresented or marginalised background and need financial assistance. I can't remember the exact number, but yeah, it was say a third of our applicants had said yes, and there was plenty of when it came time for me to start inviting people and uh, 
turned the anonymization off. There was plenty of other people that you know I, I know that are from an underrepresented and marginalized background that didn't require the the financial assistance that that had applied. So that that was the low ball number. So yeah, it's yeah we went from seventeen of percent of two hundred people to. Thirty-three of four hundred, which is, is huge. I, I would I would challenge any event aside from like AlterConf or, or um, like uh, We Rise and the, the sort of Women Who Code uh, conference. I would challenge any other event to see if their figures are anywhere near as that. But yeah, really, all it comes down to is that you know we've demonstrated that we care and that that we are willing to put ourselves out or put myself out and sort of try and make us friends with as many people on the internet to spread this as far and wide as possible. <laughs> and, you know, obviously, yeah, people appreciate that. Yeah, that's really cool. And just to sort of bring that back then uh, up to today, so the site you mentioned, the, the website you mentioned is globaldiversitycfpday.com. Yeah, yeah. So we'll put that in the show notes as usual for anybody. And uh, but um, uh, obviously it sounds like amazing and really good success. So 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 it's happening again this year. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, this year on second March Saturday worldwide, we will be doing the same event again. We currently have we've got about two just under two months to go. There is if if anybody wants to bring a workshop to their city, you, you can sign up to do that. We will provide all the educational materials that you need to. Uh, run a workshop really all, all folks need to do is uh, gather a team of mentors together who will who can work with attendees on their proposal and uh, sort of help identify what you know the, the, the answer to what is a common sort of question what should i talk about and you know sort of go over a proposal and you know just just you know constructive criticism and uh, feedback and yeah a lot of it is about boosting confidence because a lot of people sort of feel that mm, I shouldn't be here or I don't deserve to be here. And that's that's exactly what we are trying to overcome with the, the, these workshops. Um, so, you know, we're, we're very happy for folks still to sign up to organize a workshop. And, you know, it, please take a look at the website there. Yes, last check, last night, we had 54 cities lined up. So that's one more than last year. And um, counting, I'm hoping we'll have... A, a good few more uh, come the time. Yeah, looking forward to it. I think that the, the big difference this year is we're going to try and focus more on interactive aspects of the the, the, the workshop and sort of giving organisers basically a, a sort of toolkit of here, here's a whole load of options as to things that you can do and letting them uh, sort of build their own and sort of feedback on things that worked well and what didn't. And, you know, we can just improve the process going forward. And so to... You, you're not doing Scotland JS anymore, so I'm wondering if this is something that you've hooked up to other events, or is it just literally anybody who's interested in anything? It's it's not. There is no association with any other specific event. Um, there are no sponsors for what we do. Everything is needs to be free for the the attendees, the, the organizer, the, the the sort of local organizers. Yeah, just need to find a space in a venue and I guess Wi-Fi and you know they need a screen and audio and they're good to go there are sort of some of the the larger browser companies um, have lots of people that do lots of speaking who are 
looking to help sort of uh, make more events happen, but uh, there is no sort of big association, sponsorship or conference involved. This is very much tech-wide and the, the cross-pollination of ideas and, and building a sort of community of newbie speakers is is more our aim. Um, the, the people have sort of come in and said, oh, can I use this for running a workshop for our specific community on the day? And uh, what? Well, and my response has been, that sounds great, but why do we want to exclude all the other communities? And it's like, can we stick with the original sort of concept here? You know, because it's all about inclusion. So why would we exclude based on technology? You know, it's just, yeah, I never quite grasped that. <laughs> and even even for conferences that are focused on a specific technology, some of the most enjoyable and memorable talks I've been to have been from people who are slightly outside the community. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 totally. But, you know, it's like, can we get that cross-pollination happening and say, oh, mm. here, here's this technology area where your knowledge actually applies to and you, you may not have considered it and you, you might want to go there. And, you know, is there a sort of... Well, actually, last year, it did, you know, we, we know that it did happen um, because there was like a sort of speaking group started in Bristol. There was one in Detroit and there was one in San Francisco that all sort of picked up from where we left off um, to sort of try and help support and push people forward with, the, you know, the, their applications and see how they were getting on and support them further, which was great. So so those little community pockets of communities have already started and uh yeah, ideally we can encourage that more and just keep people together. Really, uh, really, thanks for sharing that story and the success of it. And it's really cool, really exciting. I'm now thinking of people I want to share the encourage, hopefully, to maybe attend one of them. <laughs> so, you left me on tender hooks a little bit earlier in the conversation when you said we'll come back to the <laughs> when it goes wrong thing. Oh, right, yeah. So this was more around uh, language. If you take a scenario. Really, I suppose that there's there's having said something inappropriate or exclusionary and being completely blissfully unaware. And I suppose it's if, if someone can make you aware, ideally in a, a scenario where you're not going to be feeling shamed in a group of people in front of a group of people, you know, because you can actually think about it and understand where they're coming from and how it applies. And, if, and then if you were you realize that, um, hey, I was in the wrong, um, you can then take that information back to the group that you were talking to and say, actually, person has just explained to me that what I said was inappropriate and here's why. And sorry. Yeah, you know, it's just that I've apologized for what I've done and I understand why. And yeah, we can sort of move on. And the, the reception that the people who would have been excluded there take generally is that, Ah, right, great. So you you were out of line before, but um, you know you said sorry. You understand, and it actually kind of brings people closer together, you know. But the, I suppose there's there's a whole sort of thing about providing feedback, and you could go into that for hours as well. That's a, yeah, exactly. That's a whole other <laughs> massive massive mountain. Brilliant, thanks. So unfortunately, we're starting to run out of time, which is a bit of a shame because I'd love to chat to to more about all of this. But just as a final question, so CFP Day is coming up in March. Do, is the vision to keep doing this? Are you looking to, to expand it or grow it? Or what, what's the vision? What's next? We've already, um, ideally grow is, is the, the, the aim. If you, I suppose really, if, if this event isn't happening in, in your location, you can make it happen. We, we try and make that as easy as possible. If you're a conference organizer and you talk a lot about diversity and you care a lot about diversity and you don't seem to be seeing those results, this is a way that you can demonstrate that you know you, you're willing to put yourself 
out there and make yourself uncomfortable and do additional work. M- much as I very much, yeah, I, I appreciate that an organizer work, work is never done. And here I am suggesting you do more. But yeah, <laughs> we, we aim to make this as, as straightforward as possible for anyone. And we will be contacting more people. But if anybody wants to get in touch, chat about this, get involved, please do. The, the Twitter handle is GDCFPD which is really catchy and easy to mistype. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, yeah, we're, we're aiming to, to grow as wide as possible. That, that, you know, the, the issue in tech and society in general isn't something that is going to be solved overnight or even in a couple of years. So we need to be keeping this going for a good while, I would would suggest you know and even you know by the time my son's old enough you know it's you know if he was in a field anything like tech you know actually he'd be better at champion than, than i would he, he's, a, he's a star turner with it you know it's like calling people out for uh, sexism racism transphobia he, he is an absolute star and he's just no fear when it comes to it which is brilliant while while you know like adults we might be oh can is, is now an appropriate an, an okay time to butt in and tell somebody that they've spoken out of turn it's, it's absolutely brilliant to see yeah and the, the, the folk don't have a response it's just like uh, oh you're right which <laughs> is, is, is brilliant yeah yeah that's really cool so brilliant thank you so much for sharing all of that just a reminder so it's global diversity cfp day.com and gd CFP uh, Day on Twitter. Yep. Um, I'll put those both in the show notes on happyporchradio.com for anybody who's listening. Thanks, Peter. I really appreciate your time today. It's well, really it's good. A pleasure speaking to you, Barry. Thank you. You can get all the links and notes from this episode on happyporchradio.com, where you can also find out how to send us questions, feedback, and get involved in the conversation about this series. If you enjoyed the show, please share with anyone else who might enjoy it too. Thanks for listening.